yesterday around this time, we were talking about the Mandela effect and uh, we were going through the list of uh, memories that people had that are actually things that never occurred. The term Mandela effect was coined by a woman named Fiona Broom back in uh, 2009. She's a paranormal researcher. I usually don't talk about stuff like that because I kind of lean on the traditional science, but she put a name to it after she coined the phrase when she thought that South African President Nelson Mandela had died in prison in the 80s. He passed away after becoming president of South Africa uh, in 2013. And so she used uh, the term the Mandela effect to describe what is essentially a false memory that she had. But she wasn't alone. Many people say they uh, suffered from the Mandela effect when it came to uh, Nelson Mandela. Dr. Christopher Dwyer, assistant lecturer in applied psychology at the Technological University of uh, Shannon in Ireland. Welcome to the show. He joins us. Welcome. Good to have you on. Thanks very much, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Listen, I got a truth be told. I'm an Irish citizen. I lived in Dublin for a while. Oh, and, very uh, good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I'm happy to, to speak to another uh, fellow Irish person, although my accent yeah. doesn't sound like yours. Well, my I have a, a funny accent as well because I, I grew up in uh, in New York. So I was kind of back and forth my whole life and then eventually moved here when I was 18, did college, all that. So uh, I, I still have a, a weird mix of a, a New York uh, Irish accent, so it's a hybrid, all right. Yeah, I found that they used to ridicule me at, at length when I called um, soda pop. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay, definitely a thing. <laughs> let's get to the topic of why I called you. What is going on in our brain uh, when we experience the Mandela effect? Because apparently quite a few people think that things happened when in reality, uh, this is a false memory. Yeah, exactly. And um, I heard your description of it and, you know, you hit the nail on the head and it's essentially just a, a false memory. So I guess, you know, the easiest way of looking at it is kind of looking at, you know, the human condition. Um, and we as human beings do not like to be confused, uncertain, because that leads to to fear, you know. And um, so if we don't understand what's going on in a situation, we get frustrated um because of this uncertainty we get afraid and then we act in unpredictable kind of ways so what we're constantly trying to do is make sense of our world so we'll get information from you know um uh, different sources in any given situation and we're taking little bits and pieces here and there and we're doing our best to organize all of that information in a way so that we can make sense of that situation and of course no two situations are ever alike and so we're trying to use, you know, experiences as a cue. You know, what did I do the last time I encountered something like this? And what uh, what in the environment is different? Are there different people around? How do I adjust? You know, all, all these different things going on at once. So what happens is there's bound to be a little bit of error here and there. And, and what happens is we wind up missing something. So we've built a, a story for ourselves in the organization of all this information. But because that organization isn't perfect, we're going to miss from time to time certain bits of information. And so we wind up filling in gaps. And um, quite often when we fill in gaps, that's where we kind of misremember information. Okay, so and, let me ask you if it's a retrieval issue. Oh, um, it could be a retrieval issue. Um, it could also be a storage issue, depending on, you know, um, how we decided or what we decided was relevant 
uh, uh, to it at the time. So what we're doing is we're using two forms of, of, of memory. We're using our working memory in terms of processing everything that's coming into us in the now. And we're using what we've stored in long-term memory to try and make sense of it. And that's how we're organizing it. So we've got these two different processes occurring at the same time, trying to help one another out to make the, the most sense of things. So storage could have something to do with it. But then again, like you said, retrieval might have something to do with it, um, depending on the mood, the situation, how much time we have to think about it, number of different things like that. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that can relate to this. If I'm thinking about something hard and I'm trying to remember it, I will look up and it's almost like I am physically searching my brain to find out which part of the brain I stored the memory in. You would think that memories are stored in one area of the brain. That's not true. Can you tell us how memories are stored or, or how many different places they're stored? And, and if there's one component of the brain that helps us access these different storage units? Right. So that's a, that's a great question. Um, we know a lot, but we don't know everything. And the more we learn about it, the less, or the more, the more we learn about it, the more we realize what we don't know about it. And, you know, I guess that's kind of the nature of, of, of science in, in its own right, that, you know, the more advanced we get, uh, the more questions that actually unfold and, and leave us kind of wondering. So, it makes um, me wonder if we knew what was going on, would it blow our minds? Exactly. Yeah. So like in, in psychology 101, we'll, we'll teach you that the, the hippocampus um, is kind of the, the center for uh, um, uh, memory. Uh, but it's, it's not as simple as that, because how, how does information get stored in there? And like I was talking about um, working memory. So there's different parts of the brain that are involved in, in getting that information there. And so, you know, we're talking about very specific areas like uh, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, the anterior cingulate cortex, all these, a, a wide array of, of, of parts. And, you know, I, I don't want to go through a list because someone might be listening and say, well, you forgot this area. And, and they'd be right. Oh, don't um, worry about it. It happens all the time a, on my a show. Lot, there's a lot involved there. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you mentioned, though, that this is all because we have this uh, primal urge to uh, stay alive, right? We need to make yeah. sense of our world so that we stay alive. But mm -hmm. how does that explain me remembering Shaggy from Scooby-Doo with an Adam's apple? Like, why should that matter? And <laughs> is this um, would this change with the way, you know, um, as we evolve and as, you know, there, we talk more about gender fluidity? Would that yeah, have been a, a, a reason like we, you know, we have to file everything under, you know, certain categories. And when you're growing up, maybe uh, it was either girl or boy at the time when we were watching Scooby-Doo. Is that why we remember him with an Adam's apple? What's going on? Well, um, I, I think, um, well, there, there's a number of reasons, um, <laughs> arguably a number of reasons for it. But it ultimately be becomes this issue of filling in a gap. Um, now, here, here's the big question. Um, did you ever think about the Adam's apple before someone mentioned it to you? You know, that's that's a question I have to you ask know, yourself. I don't know. Actually, yeah. Yeah, this, you're the you're the first one to ask me. So I, you know, when I go through my mind, I think, no, I don't. I don't I, know. I've never, never thought twice about it before in my life. And a lot of the other examples, never thought twice about until wait, someone wait, brought I have it to up. ask you, Chris, then, um, did you remember shaggy having an adam's apple um well you see you you are literally biasing me right now okay. um so this so, could be about bias so by as well you saying it to me 
by you saying it to me like that, I would say to myself, yeah, I can, I can imagine Shaggy having an Adam's apple now, but only because you've put that in my head. So what we call this in psychology, we, we're calling this priming. Because if I say to you, no, Shaggy didn't have one, part of me thinks, you know, obviously I've missed out on something and mm -hmm. I'm possibly not as observant as I'd like to believe that I am. So, you know, I want to say, yes, some social desirability. Yes, Shaggy definitely had an Adam's app. Now, whether or not he did is, is I don't know. To be honest with you, I never Apparently came across that one before. <laughs> didn't. Uh, no, he, but, he didn't, but uh, uh, apparently a lot of people remember that. Yeah, and But there you go. It, it's as simple as that, that you could simply just talk me into it. Now, here's, here's something now that, that I find interesting, because I'm looking back at all these examples, all these things, and... Give us a know, couple of examples, because, uh, you know, people yeah, are so listening the right now, and they're like, I'm just hearing about the Mandela effect now, so... Yeah. So the Mandela effect, you, you, you did a great job ex explaining uh, what it is, but my explanation for it is that... Um, when we think of Mandela, you know, he, he was imprisoned for a while in, in the 80s. And then when he was released, he went on to become the, the president of South Africa. And then he died in 2013. So why did people think that he died? Well, if we go back to the 80s, there, there was another man who was imprisoned around the same time as him who did actually die. And that was Steve Biko. And at oh. the time, Steve, Steve Biko was arguably as famous as Mandela, if not more famous. And then Peter Gabriel wrote a song about Biko. There you go. Um, but the thing is, he, you know, because it's been so many years, well, here we are now, you know, 30 odd years later, some people may have forgotten him, but the name Mandela sticks around, you know, and right. because of possibly the presidency and, 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 and all the films and the, and the like, is it possible we're just confusing two people? And, you know, you say to yourself, well, so many people are doing it. Yeah, but how often do we confuse two people? It happens quite yeah. often. And so we look at all these examples of, you know, the Mandela effect. The other one, one of my favorite ones is the Berenstein Bears versus the Berenstain Bears. Now, I remember it written as Berenstain, S-T-A-I-N. But my way of looking at it is it's a very uncommon name that. If we take the name Berenstein, where we end it with S-T-E-I-N, that's a very common um, characteristic of, of, of certain last names. Um, we come across that more often. I could, I could rhyme off a number of, of last names that have uh, Steen uh, at the end of it. So is it a matter that we're just more used to last names with Steen in it, that we mm -hmm. hear it more often, and even if our teachers were pronouncing the, the name of the book, that there is a certain kind of inflection in the way they say the name that sounds more like Berenstein because it's more common and we're more, more used to hearing it. We're most more used to saying it. Is that the ex explanation potentially, you know? There are apparently a lot of things that work going uh, when it comes to the Mandela effect. You know, not only the retrieval or the storage of information, uh, you know, the, the gaps. We like to make sense of our world and not have any gaps in our in our stories. I heard that the more detailed you tell a story, the more likely people are to believe it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, but I'll give you a, a really good example. Right. Um, it wasn't up until um, September. I didn't realize I'd been lying to myself for 20 years. So. Um, when 9-11 happened, I was in New York. I was a junior in high school. And I can tell you that when I found out that the first plane hit, I was in homeroom and there was a guy in front of me uh, sitting in homeroom, Ryan Dunn, I'll never forget him. And he turned around and he, he said, some idiot flew a plane into the World Trade Center. 
And we thought it was some kind of accident. We didn't think it was, you know, a big deal. And then we heard on the loudspeaker, you know, there's a second plane. Um, a few of the kids got up, upset. Obviously, their their parents worked in the city. Sure. They told us, cancel school. I can I can tell you the whole day. Detail for detail. I remember everything perfectly, except for one important thing. Um, how, Chris, how did you spend your evening? Well, there was nothing much to do, so I threw on the television and I watched a Mets game. And I remember um, um, a plane doing a flyover in, in honor. Um, and then I that only found out. Allowed. Exactly. But I had this story in my head. And uh, in, in September 2021, there, just a few months ago, I was reading an article about that 20th anniversary and that flyover and that Mets game, the first sporting event in New York thereafter. And it was 13 days thereafter. Mm-hmm. So it was almost two weeks later. So what wow. did I do that night? I have no idea what I did that night. But here's the thing. The whole day, I remember detail for detail for detail. Implicitly, some part of me feels the need to fill in the gap to explain what I did that evening. And I said, what's the thing most relevant to 9-11 that I can remember? And boom, that was the one thing. I think about that Mets game. I think about mm-hmm. them wearing FDNY hats, NYPD hats. And I remember the flyover. And I've just remembered incorrectly. I've misremembered that one aspect of it. And so well, when I, I think have, that, yeah, when I think you, about that, I ask myself, how many, el- how many other things do I misremember? Is the Mandela bet, effect? Yep. I, uh, there's the Mandela effect for you. Exactly. Uh, Chris, yeah. I got to thank you for your time. I'm I'm at a bit of a racetrack here, uh, but I do appreciate talking to you. And we're going to keep your name handy uh, in case we need you again, because I'd love to have you back on the show. Brilliant, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. Ha- have a great day. Christopher Dwyer is assistant lecturer in applied psychology at the Technological University of the Shannon in Ireland.